want to welcome you uh, again here today. And if you're new and uh, wondering uh, what are we all about here, uh, we like to keep the main thing the main thing at City Branch, and that's the power and the love of Jesus Christ and the power that he has to change lives. And it is so good to worship together, isn't it? No matter what's going on in our weeks, no matter if we're stressed out, if we're tired, if we're busy, if we're just kind of distracted recently, it is so good to worship together. And so we're so glad uh, that you're here. You can tell that fall is just around the corner. Uh, and uh, fall at City Branch, uh, we just want you to know that it is so not about us here. We are so excited uh, what God is up to, and uh, we believe that it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the fact that God is on the move. And we're just thrilled and honored and privileged to be a part of that, watching God move and, and change lives and making, uh, moving through us to make a difference in the city. If you've been around for a while, uh, you know this summer we've been going through the book of Psalms. And so if you don't have your, your Bible open in front of you, you're going to want that open. We're going to be hopping around a little bit today, not just in Psalm 130, but uh, with a few different scriptures. And so you're going to want to have that open. If you need that, take that Bible home. That's our gift uh, to you. And uh, if you're new today and this is your first time and you have no idea what we've been talking about, that's awesome. Today is a great day uh, to jump in. We've got a couple weeks left in the Psalms and then we're going to hop back, uh, back into the New Testament, back into some of Paul's letters uh, for this fall. Um, if this is the first time that you've cracked open a Bible in a while, that's okay too. We're glad you're here and today is the first uh, great day uh, to start and we love God's Word. We believe that God's Word is a treasure and that as we look into it, it tells us who we are and who God's it, God is, and we, we love digging into it together. Uh, something that we've seen over the course of the summer, uh, as many of you have maybe been doing the weekly readings, that if you flip your bulletin over, every week there's uh, Bible readings, uh, part of our Year of the Bible here at Hope, and so if you're looking for some structure to your devotional life, that'd be a great way to start. But as we've been going through the Psalms, if you've been doing those readings, We've realized that like no other book in the Bible, there's very few books in the Bible, much like the Psalms, that really speak to real life. You know, like sometimes you read the Bible and it's just kind of like, what does that mean? You know, like hopefully you haven't started reading the Bible in Leviticus or something like that. But, but, but when you sometimes when you read the Bible, it seems kind of dry and it seems kind of empty and it seems, I don't really know how that applies to my life. We haven't had that problem in Psalms. Because like no other book in the Bible, Psalm speaks to the reality of life, to the ups and to the downs. And we all know what that's like. We've all been there with those extreme highs, the joys, but then also the sorrows and the pains of life. And so if you're wondering, this book I'm holding in front of me today, is it relevant to my life? Does it have anything to do with what I might be going through right now? Yes, it does. And it has the power to give you a new vision like we just sang about. And we can relate. And today's Psalm is no different. If you're looking, once again, if you're looking for an easy way to find the Psalms, just right in the middle. If you take that Bible home today, just crack it open. We're looking for Psalm 130. And as I was looking at this Psalm this week, what really sticks out is that the psalmist is wanting to give us a very clear and accurate view of who we are in light of who God is. And if we can get that right, if we can get that one thing right, who we are in light of who this huge, massive, awesome, amazing, loving God is, we're then we've got a lot going for us in life. That is one of the most important things that we could ever question, one of the most important things we could ever 
figure out. It's a psalm about our great need in light of a great savior that we have. And we mention a lot around City Branch that our desire is to be real people before the real God. So if you're wondering if today, you know, I I just don't know if I fit in here. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. I haven't been to church in a while. Uh, If you're willing to not take yourself too seriously, (laughs) then you fit right in here. Because you have not come to a perfect church. We're a bunch of broken, messed up people that need Jesus desperately. And so if you're looking for a perfect church, this is not the place for you. But if you're looking for a place where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the God of the universe very seriously, then you've come to the right place. Because he's a great leader, and he's worth following. And so today, in light of who God is, I just want you to know that you don't have to have it all together. And that is the heartbeat of the Psalms, and that you've come to the right place. But because of that need that we have, because of our great need for a Savior, and because of who God is, we're called to take God very seriously, and we're called to take God's promises very seriously. And that, what that psalm that you have in front of you is all about. It's what it's, Psalm 130 is calling us to today. Because when we're honest, we know that God is, a, God is a perfect and righteous God with a perfect law and certain boundaries that all of us here today, not one of us excluded, all of us are guilty of crossing. And when we hold up God's law, his good, pleasing, and perfect law, and we hold our lives up to that, we see that there's a discrepancy there, that they don't match up. And the reality is that none of us are off the hook. We all need a savior from our sin. And so we have two choices. We have two choices in this life. And one of them is that we carry all that sin our whole lives. We carry it on our backs and it weighs us down. Or we can confess it. Or we can admit it and be honest with our brokenness. There's a mosquito up here. What's up with that? You can bite John. There's two things we can do. We can either carry it or we can confess it. And what we're going to talk about today and what this psalm is about is that confession is a powerful thing. Being honest with who we are is a powerful thing. A few years back, uh, I used to work at uh, a Bible camp not too far away from here. And during uh, summer of one of the years that I was a counselor, maybe some of you have worked at something similar, a camp or uh, someplace where you work with kids, um, we had an awesome opportunity every Wednesday night to have a prayer night. And we would get to talk with our campers. And and because I was there the whole summer, I got a whole gamut uh, age range of campers. I had these little guys that that looked like, man, they were going to get homesick, all the way up to these big, burly high school football players that looked like they were going to kill somebody. And so you have this whole range of Bible campers, and and I'm supposedly their counselor. And on Wednesday nights, we have prayer night. And it's an opportunity for us to pray one-on-one with our campers and uh, and just to kind of confess things before God, to be honest before God, as the psalmist is doing today. And so they just have an opportunity, you know, to talk about anything that's on their hearts, whether it's big or small, uh, whatever's going on, but all from honest hearts. And so I can remember two specific times of confession, both very honest, very real, but both very different. The first one was just a little third grader. It was his first time to camp. He was a first timer. And so I'm sitting with him kind of in the back dark corner of the the chapel. And he'd been kind of homesick all week. And, and, you know, he cries a lot. And and I'm pretty sure that it was his first time doing anything like this. You can just imagine he's kind of shaking and he's kind of shy. And and, uh, he's got his same clothes on from four days ago. And, And we're sitting there and we're talking and we're praying. And I just asked him, you know, is there anything that you want to uh, talk to God about anything you want to confess to him or ask forgiveness. And, and he just got really quiet and he, he thought for a long time. And 
kind of put his head down. I'm like, oh no, I just opened a can of worms. What's going to happen now? And he looked up to me with all serious and said, John, I haven't told anybody this before. I'm going to try not to laugh. I haven't told anybody this before, but a couple weeks ago, I, I sat on with a bag of Cheetos and I liked them so much that I ate the whole bag and I got sick and I threw up all over and my mom got so mad at me and I just, I'm so sorry, do you think that God will ever forgive me? I'm preparing myself for like the worst and I get Cheetos. And so that's one confession story that I get. And so, you know, only at Bible camp do you sit and pray with a third grader and ask God's forgiveness about Cheetos. And so we confess that sin together. Maybe some of you can identify. But it was the very next week that was high school week. And I found myself in the same corner of the same chapel with another camper, this time big old high school football player guy that just graduated from high school and he was just going into his freshman year of college. And he was, he was pretty scared and nervous about that. And he was a big, tough football player. And he'd been pretty closed up the entire week. This whole Bible camp thing, getting excited for Jesus. Eh, I'm not sure I'm down with that. And so, but God had been really softening his heart the whole week. And now during prayer night, I'm sitting there and with tears running down his face, he's saying, John... I just have to tell someone, but I I need to confess this. I've been carrying this weight on my shoulders for the last two years, and you're the first person I've told. And I'm not going to tell you what he told me, but he said, I did something last year, and I'm so ashamed. Big, strong man that on the outside has it all together is crumbling on the inside, looked up to by his peers. Oh, he's got it all together, right? And he's just sobbing in front of me. You're the first person I've ever told this, and I'm so ashamed. And I'm so ashamed. And John, I just, I feel like this time I've messed up too badly for God to forgive me. I I, I think I know it here, but I, I can't accept it. I can't accept the fact that God would forgive me for something like this. It's just so hard to believe. Confession is a powerful thing when you're there and when you're experiencing it firsthand because we've all been there and we've all had those times of confession in our lives when it's not just about Cheetos. It's about something much bigger. It's hard to be honest, isn't it? It's hard to come clean. It's hard to let go of those things. It's hard to come face to face with our sin, admitting our guilt to God or or even just confessing it to a friend. It's one of the most difficult commands that God gives us in Scripture. But he gives it to us nonetheless. And the psalmist today can identify. So look back at your Scripture with me. Psalm 130. And let's read these first few verses together. The first four verses of the psalmist and his confession. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. And so we hear that the psalmist has come to realize that held up to God's standards, we've all failed the test. There's no hiding it anymore. We're all in the same boat. Who could ever survive? 
And the truth is for every single one of us today that we do not stand before a holy and righteous God because of who we are or because of anything that you've done. We stand today before a holy and righteous God as loved and forgiven sons and daughters of the Most High King because of who God is and because of what he's already done. That you don't have to earn, you don't have to strive to earn God's love. He loves you right where you are today. Do you know that? Do you know that? And so the psalmist reminds us here that there's forgiveness and there's freedom in confessing and coming clean instead of carrying all that guilt and shame and condemnation around with us. But when you think about it, the truth is for many of us, it's hard to get to that point. I'm sure that hasn't been your prayer this week. Maybe something like that, but it's so hard for us to get to that point where we're willing to confess. If, if, if God in his word calls us to confess... Then we're called to get honest with ourselves. But honestly, it's a lot easier to hide, isn't it? It's a lot easier to hide. I'm not just talking about hiding and hide and go seek. I'm talking about hiding who you really are. I'm talking about pushing those things down inside that you need to let out. Pretending that nothing's wrong. And so today for you, whether it's sin or guilt or or fear or anxiety or, or maybe just confusion... Many of us struggle with taking the time to slow down enough to listen to your own heart. In the midst of your busy life right now, when's the last time you listen to your heart and what it needs? To reflect on the choices that you're making in your life. Honestly, if you're like me, usually we pay attention to our hearts and we confess our sins to God about as often as we open the hood on our car. Or maybe as often as you check your oil in your car, depending on if you're that person in the family. But we look at ourselves and we look at our hearts, which is the most precious thing that we've been given by God, about as often as we look under the hood of our car. We we take on that practice of confession so uh, infrequently because we're sure that something's wrong, but we don't want to look because we're afraid of what we might find, right? Right? That's why it's so important for us to know God's word because it keeps us from lying to ourselves. That we can make it on our own, that we're capable of finding life on our own. So I'm going to pull out uh, a prop from the prop room here. And as we do that, we're going to put this verse up from Psalm, or not from Psalm, from 1 John. So let's read that together. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's kind of like a mirror. It's kind of like a mirror. God's word in many ways is like a mirror, showing us who we are and who God is who God calls us to be, and we all know that mirrors don't lie, whether we like it or not. So my question for you today is, what do you see when you look in the mirror? I'm not just talking about like looking at yourself in the morning and laughing. Who do you you see when you look in the mirror? What does it reveal? And, And maybe for you today, it's when you look in the mirror, it's not, not necessarily sin or some destructive habit, but, but uh, what is it that you're all about? 
Who, who do you see when you look in the mirror? Who is that looking back at you? If you were to slow down and take the time to look in the mirror that is God's word, what would you see? Who, who, who is that today? For, for you, is it, is it uh, fear? Is it drivenness? Is it someone that's so desperately trying to live up to others' expectations that that's how you've defined your life? Or are you someone that's just kind of going through their own small story with their blinders on and living your own life? Maybe you're trying to get ahead, and life is about number one, and that's you. This might be one of the most important questions that you'll ever ask. Who is that person in the mirror? And more importantly for us today, who am I becoming today? What kind of person am I becoming? This mirror has seen its better days, but we're going to leave it right there. Or maybe what you see today when you look in the mirror is guilt, and when taken to the extreme, it turns into shame. And I want to be really serious with you today. I want to be honest with you. I don't want to get up here and preach about things that don't matter. But if you're anything like me, this is something that you struggle with. Um, it's hard to accept that forgiveness that the psalmist is talking about. And whether you think what you're dealing with in your own life today is small and insignificant, or whether you know it's that dark place in your life that nobody knows about except you and the God that made you, um, today just might be the day to just let that go. And today might be the day to look deeply into the mirror at who you are, but more importantly at who God says you are. Because whether it's something that you've done or maybe you've been wounded in the past, maybe you've been wronged in some way and you're carrying that around, maybe today is the day to move from unforgiveness to forgiveness. Maybe today is time to move from a condition of unforgiveness to a condition of being forgiven. Till we learn to not only talk about the amazing grace of God, but we experience it at our core. That's when it gets real. Remember, We're not called to take ourselves too seriously, to think that we can somehow earn this amazing grace by being good enough, but to take God and his radical love very seriously. Growing up, I I spent a considerable amount of time on the golf course. Uh, You've heard me use golf course illustrations before, and for those of you that don't like golf and fall asleep to it during your nap, I'm going to convert you to golf fans at some point. But when growing up, I spent a considerable amount of time perfecting my game on the course, or so I thought. But my problem was that no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I relaxed uh, or relaxed I was at the beginning, by the second or third hole, I would somehow stop having fun. And I would forget to just enjoy the love of the game and the friendship of the people that I was with and my playing partners. And somehow I would start to try to prove that I was better than everybody else. I would start to prove that I was a better golfer than I was playing. And so for the rest of the round, I would turn to this grumpy, old, angry guy that that carried with him every bad shot. I'd hit a bad shot, carry it on. Hit a bad shot, put it on my shoulders, and I'd carry that with me, and I'd be so grumpy, and I was so weighed down with anger and frustration at myself by the end of the round that by the end, I I just couldn't let it go. And this plagued me the first 20 years of my life, maybe. Flash forward 
to just a few days ago. I had the opportunity to play in a golf tournament with some of my friends. And uh, being that it was competitive, and I'm a very, 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 very competitive person, I knew about some of the other teams, and so I was dead set on having a really good round because I was going to beat them, and I was going to make a good impression. I was going to show them just how good of a golfer I was, and I was going to impress everyone by shooting this amazing score. And so it's four-person best shot nonetheless, and so we're playing together as a team. So being uh, myself, usually the first couple holes, I'm all focused. I'm zoned in. I've got my red shirt on like Tiger Woods. I'm on the hunt. I'm on the prowl. I'm ready to kill. Not really. But little by little, I can see that I am not only having a bad hole after bad hole, I am playing absolutely terrible. I am playing the worst golf game of my life. This is just a few days ago. Not only am I playing the worst golf round of my life, my whole team is playing absolutely horrible. It gets to the point where by like the 14th hole, we've basically given up. I'm not saying to give up, but by the 14th hole, we're there and, and my friend Shane hits a shot and I can, we are laughing so hard at how bad we're playing that he hits the shot, and as he's hitting the shot, I go, that's a horrible shot! And then I get up there, and I'm hitting, and right in the middle of my backswing, he says, you're a horrible golfer! And then I turn, and I go, I know! Isn't it fun? And we just enjoyed our round because we got real, and we got honest, and it wasn't about putting on a mask anymore. It wasn't about pretending that we had it all together. Not taking ourselves too seriously. Imagine that. And so, little by little, this round just got better and better from that point on. And then comes the peace. And then comes the smiles. And then comes the laughter and more laughter till we are absolutely having a blast playing horrible. Not because we wanted to play bad, but because we are having an incredible time playing with complete honesty and that we have nothing to prove. In fact, one of my friends got done and said, Wow, that is the worst round of golf I have ever played in my life, but this was one of the best days I've ever had. What's up with that now? That seems kind of backwards, doesn't it? In the way that our world says you got to prove it, you got to look a certain way, you got you to succeed in a certain way, you got to have success. And we don't take ourselves too seriously in light of who this God is, and we take him very seriously. And it's not about proving ourselves or, or earning the grace and forgiveness of God. It's about... What the psalmist says here in verse 5. Look at verse 5 of Psalm 130. God, I'm counting on you. God, I'm putting my hope in you. This is so not about me anymore. If I would have carried my anger with me that round, beating myself up the whole way, I would have missed the joy of that entire day. I would have missed the ride. So my question for you today is, what do you need to let go of today so that you don't miss the ride? What do you need to let go of that's getting in the way of you experiencing the kind of life that God wants for you? It's the power of confession. It's the power of letting go. It's why we confess. We don't just confess to go through some religious motion, but because it brings freedom and it brings peace and it allows us to move through the course of life with confidence in our new identity as forgiven. And when we live in that new identity, we're able to live out God's command to love. When we are loved and we are forgiven, we're more powerfully able to love those people around us. Jesus reminds us, if you want to flip over it to it really quick, Luke 7, 47. 
Luke 7:47. We're just going to look at this verse really quick. Back in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke 7:47. There's a woman and Jesus sitting around with some of the self-righteous religious leaders of the day that think they have it all together. And there's this woman that's break, broken open a bottle of the most precious perfume and in the Pharisee's opinion has wasted it on Jesus. And she's pouring it on his feet and kissing his feet because he's her savior. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. So maybe this whole forgiveness thing points us in a new direction. Maybe being forgiven is not just saying, oh, yep, I'm forgiven. I'm going to go back and keep doing what I've been doing. Being forgiven is transformational in our lives because it sets us free to live in the reality of grace. Confession leads us to the cross and forgiveness sets us free to love, which means We cannot do this alone. We weren't meant to go through this experience alone. God shows up with his love in powerful ways. And one of the ways that God shows up with his love is through the people that you're surrounded with here today and through the people that you're surrounded with in your lives. It's powerful when we're surrounded by people that love us and can extend that same forgiveness and grace that God has. Ashley, you can throw the next slide up there. A few weeks ago, I experienced the greatest day of my life so far. And that's when I married my now incredible wife, Tiffany. And I could go on and on and on about the day, and we could be here till 4 o'clock this afternoon, but I'm not going to. But of all the things that I could tell you about that day, we both agreed that it was filled with an overwhelming sense of God's grace that we do not deserve And to be surrounded with friends and family that love you and believe in you is a gift that we know that we will never be able to repay. And we stood there in front of all these people, overwhelmed with the grace of God that he would love us that much after knowing who we are (laughs) and that we don't deserve it and that we're messed up. And um, all throughout the weekend, we kept telling people, especially those people that had worked so hard for the day, we, we don't deserve this, so what can we do? We got to do something, right? We got to do something to repay you because we, do, we, do, we don't deserve this. Like, can we have you over for dinner and we can give you a gift? And people just said, no, no, no. And every single person said something to the tune of, it's a gift. It's a gift, so just receive it because we believe in you. We believe in who God is making you. We believe in who you are. So John and Tiffany, just get it through your heads and receive it because it's a gift. And I believe today that God is saying the same thing to every one of us. Confession leads to forgiveness and forgiveness leads us to love. And love leads us to give it away. To give it away. This gift of forgiveness and unfailing love in Psalm 130, it's a gift that we don't deserve. So just receive it. And God says... I believe in you. I believe that you're much more than your past says you are. I believe you're much more than mistakes that you've made. I believe that you're much more than this facade that you put on every day that you think that you have it all together. 
Jesus says to every single one of you today, I have this life that I created you to live. And you're not created to be weighed down by guilt and shame from the past. Today, it's a gift. And it's time to jump into the arms of your father and be embraced by the love of those around you. I'm going to invite Paul back up to just play a little bit for us as we close with this last story. This brings me all the way back to being a very little boy, just learning how to swim. And I remember standing in the the gutter um, of our pool in our our small town. And I remember uh, with my, you guys remember the floaties? Who likes floaties? Do we have any floaties fans out there? And I, I stood in the gutter with these floaties. And of course, this is the shallow end, but I'm, I'm so little. I'm like five, and I'm so afraid of the water. And I'm, I'm so afraid of what's going to happen if I jump. And so my dad is standing right in front of me with his arms open wide, and he's saying, come on, John, you can do it, buddy. I believe in you. Jump. You can do it. And I just remember being so afraid of what might happen. While my older brother's off doing high, uh, you know, flips off the high dive, I'm stuck in the gutter. And today, through the power of confession and through the power of God's overwhelming grace and his love, you're being asked to let go of the sin and the guilt and the shame and the fear and the baggage. And today, to jump into the arms of your father that's waiting to wrap you up in his arms. And you're also called to jump into the arms of a community that loves you of a community of faith that's ready and willing to love you and encourage you on that journey. And as we kind of end the summer and kick off the fall, I just have a feeling that that some of you, you don't want to jump today because you're afraid of digging those things up from the past. You don't want to look at the person that you used to be. You're, you're afraid of that, that if I get involved, if I, if I open myself up to, to community, if I open myself up to God's love, it, I, I don't want to be that vulnerable because I'm afraid of what's going to get brought up. And, you know, it cannot be forced, and we're not forcing you to do anything, but I want to challenge you today to ask God, what does that man or woman in the mirror really need today? Not just what you think you need, but let's ask God, who made you what you need. What's, what's your plan for me, God? And if this love is real that we've talked about today, which it most certainly is, you can trust this God who's standing there waiting for you with his arms open wide and that his arms and his embrace is wide enough to handle anything that you could throw his way. If we as a community are willing to let go of the need to have it all together, we'll find that we cannot walk this road alone. And whether it's, it's Alpha that we've talked about or a small group or a men's group or a women's group, it's not about the group or the class. It's so not about a program or a group or a class. It's about the fact that we need each other. Every single one of us, doesn't matter how old we are, doesn't matter where we're at on our journey, we take community seriously at hope, not because it's the churchy thing to do or because it sounds fun to have small groups, but it's because we were created for relationship. You might be sitting there today going, ah, it's just not me. I just don't know. You were created for it. You crave it, whether you know it or not. And God has given us each other to encourage each other and to help each other become the men or women of God that we're called to be. It's about the person that you see when you look into the mirror that God sees. 
And God looks at you and he says, I am far from finished with you today. And so, what's your plan today? Is it to stand in the gutter, shivering, burdened by the past, afraid of jumping into the deep? You may be kind of put your feet in a little bit, testing the water, or is it time to just jump and to be immersed in in the life-changing love that God has for you and to let yourself be surrounded by a community of faith that loves you and believes in who God is making you. God's arms are open wide and he says, just trust me. I believe in you. It's a gift. So receive it. So the guys are going to come around right now with some books. And uh, this isn't to single the guys out, but this is their heart. And these are just some guys that uh, I've had a chance to get to know and know the junk in my life, and I know the junk in their lives. And uh, guys of City Branch, this is just a gift that they want to give you. And uh, what we're going to do is is, uh, we're just going to spend some time reflecting And uh, this is for all of us. This isn't just for men today. Um, We're going to spend some time in prayer as Paul continues to pray. And uh, it's good to be calm and still before God. And we're going to pray that God would make his grace very real and very personal for every single one of you today. And so we challenge you today to look in the mirror. To receive the gift that he wants to give you to jump over the edge and take the dive maybe for the first time or maybe in a new way and uh, as you sit there and just listen to God I pray that you'll find him saying to you today in a very personal way whether it's a book or whether it's his amazing grace and forgiveness God says to every single one of us today It's a gift, and I believe in you, so receive it. Let's pray.